You are listening to Grit and Grace, where I'm sharing my entrepreneurial journey with you and bringing stories to you of the most amazing women that are crushing it in business and in life. My name is Tomberly, and I'm a social impact entrepreneur, where I help businesses grow their community impact and their bottom line through their partnerships with nonprofit organizations. I'm also the founder of Tomberly's Tribe, a brand new group of female experts that from all different fields are helping women grow to their highest level of potential. Join us on this journey by downloading the Himalaya app, which is free, and follow us so we can keep you up to date on all of the new shows that are coming out. Welcome to my show. And we are back with another episode, and I'm so excited that we are at Workability again because they are amazing. They have this awesome co-working space, and the team here is incredible. They let us come and set up our field equipment, and I get to bring in my favorite women into Woo. this space. Woo. And we get to like hang out amongst the plants and the dogs. There's like dogs. You get pet therapy when you're here. Although, I will also tell you, it's important to note that they have food. They have snacks. And I'm a big snacker. So anyway, if you're looking for office space in Denver, co-working space, or if you're just looking for a meeting space or you're a new business owner and you know that you want something that is really cutting edge but also homey at the same time, come to Workability. You can find them at workability.works and I will put their information in our show notes, but we are just really grateful because they always make Grit and Grace feel so thankful or so um, welcome here today. So I'm thankful for that. And today, my friends, we're going to jump into a discussion with a woman who is not only like strong and tenacious and has drive, but she's also kind and funny. And she is a lady boss who founded a financial group in 2013 that is now Canavan Siddle and Siddle Siddle and Associates. I'm going to let her correct that in a moment. Um, <laughs> and so she's, she founded uh, a company in 2013 that has grown and changed and morphed. And I'm so excited for her to share her story with you. And in her career, which is, this is very interesting She has been a concert promoter, working in ticketing, production, and merch sales, and behind the bar, which I truly believe is where she developed not only an in-depth skill set in understanding the music business, but is also an amazing um, leader of customer service, which is why, as the president of her firm, she has literally raised the bar on how she meets and interacts and onboards her clients. And I'm just going to share with you guys before I even introduce her is that my first impression it was, so far of her was that I was able to share a story with her that she received well of an experience with another financial expert that wasn't really positive for me. And so I came in pretty hot. I'm like, you know what? I didn't like this. I didn't like this. This happened. This happened. This happened. And she was like cool as a cucumber. And you know what else is that she gave me the feeling that there was no like wrong answer to making mistakes that it's okay to make mistakes and there's corrections possible and that help is available. So Kaylee Canavan, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. And thanks for being that person because we both know I came in kind of hot that day. It's uh, it's actually a pretty familiar scenario that a lot of times people come in either ready to be judged or scolded or uh, told that they're too far in the weeds and we won't help them. And uh, that's very, very rarely the case. And I just, if somebody tells me that I've alleviated anxiety, then I consider that to be a successful day. Yeah, that's amazing. And I, I was interested to find out that you spent some of your career in concert promoting and in working in customer service, because I truly believe that you must have interacted in so many ways to really get, develop this skill to look at another human being and saying, hey, 
I'm going to help you problem solve. Let's like leave the baggage in the past. Let's look at the pro- the solutions moving forward. That's what I felt from you is that, and listen, we're, we're talking, we're going to be talking accounting and financial services today. So that is a really important topic for entrepreneurs and small businesses to know that they can handle that without losing their shit. Yeah. <laughs> Here I just swore. I didn't even make it you five minutes You did the first today. swear. Okay, that's good. <laughs> but it's true. There's nothing that creates anxiety for business owners quite like managing their, their financial situation. Yeah, your money is emotional. And that's true whether you're good at it or have a lot of anxiety about it. You're always going to feel emotional about Um, both how you handle your money and the people who you are putting on your advisory board, if you will, when it comes to your money. So it's important that I'm able to uh, meet people where they are at first and then walk them to a place of comfort and, uh, like I said, just alleviating any anxieties that are there because it's hard to know what you don't know, and a lot of times that is a creator of anxiety. So Actually, I would say that for for me and a lot of the female entrepreneurs that I've spoken to, it's not only the creator of the anxiety, but it's when we realize what we don't know, like the depth of what we don't know um, can be, and I'm still in it. I mean, you and I both know I'm still, I'm still in it and mastering how to handle that part of it. And I am just, I am very aware that I, it's fear stops me from doing the things that I knew I, I know I need to do, which is going to help my company grow. I have to manage and, and master an understanding of all of the back end of the financials and, and my financial goals. Right. I'm, yeah. I mean, if I come to you and say, okay, I know that in order for me to scale my company, I need to do X, Y, and Z, but I am so scared and I don't know how to do that. Um, you appear to me as a person that's calm enough to say, okay, I'm going to look at you and, and, and help you get there and do it in bite-sized chunks. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing is that sometimes when we're scared, it's just about acknowledging that we're not the best person to look under the bed and see if there's a boogeyman there. So uh, my team, we try really hard to, one, help you to understand your finances as much as you want to, but also have a team that you trust in place that if you're scared or just honestly don't want to participate in the process of having financials built that help your company, then we can help you to analyze and synthesize the result without actually having to be hands on the wheel dealing with the numbers and uh, whatever that you may mean, be. You mean we, the client, we don't have to be hands on. You can right, give us the right, answers right. to the questions without us getting into the weeds. So you can take care of the weeds is what you're saying. We can take care of the weeds. We, oh my we can look gosh, under the Katie, bed and say is- there's no boogeyman there or there is, but here's how we're going to get rid of it. And then from there, you just trust that we've got it under control and uh, we work with you as hands on or hands off as you want to be because the best use of your time is not to be doing your books. Yeah, it's so interesting that you say that. I was speaking to a, uh, an entrepreneur, um, husband and wife team that I know, and last night we were having the conversation about me bringing on some new staff and new services and the things that I haven't mastered. Like there's some growing pains that go into a business where you know that there's you can't do it all. You I mean, can't. You, I, I am absolutely at the stage where I recognize I cannot do it all, and I have great help already, yep. but I need more. Yeah. And they were explaining to me, you know, that there's a process that you go through where sometimes you don't choose the right help at the beginning, mm-hmm. and you have to let them go and then do it yourself for a little while longer, and then sometimes you'll delay that and postpone it and delay it because you know that it's so painful to get the right person in place, but once they're there, it's golden. Sure. And I took that away and thought, you know what, it's true. We're not always going to do it right, especially when it comes to finding people to fill things that we know we can do, but we can't do it all. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't do any of my own marketing anymore, for example. Really? Interesting. Because okay. 
That's not the best use of my time. Yeah. I can do it myself, but there's a big difference between can and should, especially mm. when you're trying to run a successful business. You shouldn't be wearing all the hats. You should just find people who you know, like, and trust, put them in place and trust them. Okay. So let's go back a little yeah. bit. Let's go from <laughs> concert promoter to, <laughs> to accounting and finances. Let's, let's, how did that happen? Okay. So, uh, I worked for a Denver-based promoter and mostly in the ticketing department is where I found my success. I worked uh, for the promoter for about six and a half years. And during that time, I worked up to um, box office supervisor and I loved it. I worked about 200 to 250 shows a year wow. um, and it was wonderful. Got to see some of the coolest stuff ever. Did you get to meet any famous musicians in um, that job? Not as m- well, yeah, yeah, not as many as you might think working that many shows. Anybody I would know and like and be excited about? Uh, yeah, one of my first nights at Red Rocks, I met Tommy Shaw from Styx. Oh, and my goodness. I, I love Styx a lot. I'm kind of too young to love Styx oh as much as I gosh. do, but yeah. Um, okay, good perk, got it. Yeah. Perks were good. Yeah. Yep, uh, free concerts were great. Yeah. Gotten, got to meet some cool people, um, and then I hit the glass ceiling at like 15 bucks an hour, and when I went oh. to my boss and I was like, hey, you don't pay me enough to like adult. Uh, I want to buy a house someday and I want to do these things. Uh, his response was, well, if you can try to find another job that doesn't impact your ability to be fully available to us, that would be great. And so I went to my husband and I was like, I guess I got to like grow up and get a real job. Um, and so while I was sort of soul searching about what that was going to be, mm. I was working as a receptionist during the day for my grandfather's accounting firm because that schedule allowed the flexibility to still work concerts at night. And he gave me my first bookkeeping project and I thought, oh my God, I think I'm sick because I'm really enjoying this. <gasps> so I uh, went back to school, got my accounting degree, and uh, the rest is kind of history. And you liked it. I mean, that, that is, I guess that is unique. And I think that, I think, thank you for acknowledging that because there's no right or wrong on what people should and shouldn't like. And sometimes something feels so good that it fits and it doesn't necessarily make sense. Oh yeah. Right? Absolutely. But that's amazing. To go from the glamour of music industry concert business to feeling like I'd found my vocation in accounting Definitely. <laughs> it felt ridiculous. Plus, I mean, it's, 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 it's not necessarily the category of, of where, you know, any of us would, I mean, maybe some people are born and say, I want to be an accountant. Oh, but I think sure. it's unlikely. Yeah. We joke in the office that you don't choose the accounting life. It chooses you because okay. no one in my office thought that they were going to be an accountant, but we all love it. Uh, but yeah, it's, amazing. it sort of falls in your lap more than, I mean, I'm sure someone somewhere in the scope of history said, I want to be an accountant, but it was just one person ever. <laughs> and if you're listening, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, we'll let me you know who you and are. We'll do tweet another at show. Me. And you need to, oh, I love that. Tweet at me. Tweet at me. <laughs> forgive me for one second. I, I'm, I'm battling a little, I'm coming off of a little bit of a cold. So if you may hear me pause, it's so I don't like cough and sneeze into all of your ears. But so you went to school. Yep. And so did you have to, is it, what kind of de- degree do you have to get to actually be a licensed accountant? Uh, so in Colorado, there's not a license per se. Okay. I uh, have a bachelor's of science in accounting with a minor in human resources management because I always wanted to be a really well-rounded asset to my clients because mm. oftentimes uh, you're 
running a small business and then you have employees and then you don't know what the heck to do. So uh, I know just enough to be dangerous about HR (laughs) to advise my clients to hire an HR company. Mm. Um, And then after I got my degree, I completed the enrolled agent certification Mm -hmm. through uh, the IRS, which allows me full authority before the Internal Revenue Service in all states. Mm. And that's what you meant by when we had talked offline that you're credentialed in all states. Is that why? Exactly. Yep. So we can, uh, we've got full authority in all tax matters, um, both filing, resolution, tax court, the whole kit and caboodle, we can represent you before the IRS. Just not the SEC is the main difference because I'm not a certified public accountant. That's that's the big difference between us and them. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Interesting. So if you're planning on doing an IPO, then you need a CPA, but otherwise most people don't. Yeah. That's interesting. And so when you first started your company, it was just you, right? You started? It was just me on my dining room table with a computer and a QuickBooks subscription and a whole lot of ambition. And so how did you grow? Oh, uh, well, at first, taking any client who would have me. Uh, those are tough times when you're in that position. And was and was that um, for individual for individuals and companies, or did yeah. you focus primarily B2B? We did mostly B2B bookkeeping and payroll, as well as some individual income tax. Uh, my husband just asked me the other day how many tax returns I did in my first season, and I said, I think it was nine. Last year, we did about 2,000. Holy. Yeah. Um, so at first, it was just a lot of networking, a lot of getting out there and um, leveraging the connections that I still had from the music industry to get clients that uh, need accounting services, but maybe didn't want to deal with a good old boy because most people Mm. in the music industry don't. And uh, I've found that a lot of other people also don't want to deal with a good old boy accountant. So So it's really good that you kept those connections. Yeah, absolutely. 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 And so that first year, nine. Nine tax clients, yep. And then the next year and the year after that? Uh, Historically, it always doubled until 2017 when it almost quadrupled. Mm. So the first few years, my tax base literally doubled every year. And then, boom. So when did you move from like work at home, solopreneur to, I mean, you you have a full team now. Like you have space, you have a full team. Like where... Was that a slow transition or did you make that leap and say, okay, I know I need to invest in actually scaling and growing my team? Uh, It's always felt a little bit like standing at the front of the high dive and um, knowing that I need to jump off, but not Mm -hmm. necessarily wanting to every time I've needed to make a big, huge shift. So um, the first thing was moving out of my home office Mm -hmm. because I realized that at least in my business, I was being held back by the fact that I didn't have a space to meet with prospective clients. You didn't have like a workability like we're at now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, It was a little bit before the co-working thing was really taking off. And Mm. so I was finding that I was holding myself back because I was only comfortable taking clients that I was okay with inviting into my home, which is a very short list of people. Uh, Mm. So I got my first office about a year after I started. And then I started with one part-time assistant and just kind of scaled from there. Every time I felt like I couldn't do any more myself, um, it, it always felt a little bit like a double-edged sword because it was like, I can't really afford to make a full-time hire, but I also can't afford not to. 
And so now that I'm able to recognize that feeling when it comes a little bit faster, but the first couple of times it was definitely like, okay, I'm going to take this huge leap and hire somebody that I can't necessarily afford because I also realized that I can't keep up with the amount yeah. of work that we have. Because in the midst of that, you had a child too. I mean, you have a two-year-old, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. So that's, I mean, that's, that's around that time you were saying like, that must've been a lot of change in that year. It was huge. Uh, I purchased my grandfather's firm in 2017 mm. and we merged it with mine and it, um, it went down. Well, so I, technically closed on the purchase of my grandfather's business on Monday. And we all moved into our new office together on Tuesday. And then I went into labor on Saturday. Oh my goodness gracious. (laughs) (laughs) August, 2017 was uh, when everything I knew about my life changed completely. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's big. It was a lot. You know, but maybe it's better you got it all over once instead of you have to like drag it over the course of a year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, sometimes life happens that way. And so before we go on, I want to just let everybody know that um, csaaccounting.com, that's csaaccounting.com is where people can find you. And I know that we are, um, I mean, this is January 2020, but whenever you're listening to this, you know, we we actually are in com- coming up to tax season for a lot of us. That means we're sweating a lot and we're not sleeping <laughs> through the night. Um, but I would just say that if you have tax questions or if you have questions about your um, 1099s or your filings, like just reach out to Kaylee. She's going to help you. Her team is going to help you. And um, I'll tell you, you will be really proud of her because she actually, she has staff that will say, Kaylee's really busy right now. I'm going to handle this for you. And at first I was kind of like, huh, I expected Kaylee herself, but you know what? Actually, then I was so super proud of you because you've put good boundaries in place with your clients to tell them that you're one person and you have a really good trusted team. So I have come to so appreciate that about your company. Thank you. So I want people to know that that, that actually, to me, when you see that happen with a, a, a small business that's growing, you know, give that person a kudos because it is very difficult to pass a lot of those tasks on to somebody else. And so the fact that you're doing that is good. So it's a big adjustment for some people. They're used to working with their accountant or their bookkeeper, mm. and they only ever deal with that person. And the fact is, is I'm currently scheduled to take seven weeks of vacation this year, and I want my clients to be able to continue on running their business and getting their accounting service, whether I'm in the office or not. <laughs> right. So that's so that's my point. Is that if you're if you're if they get in touch with you, just know that one of your trusted team will make that happen. So those of you that are listening, whatever time of year it is. If you have any questions, you know, go to Kaylee and her team. Yeah, currently there's seven of us with almost 100 years of combined experience. So one of us has seen it before, I promise. Wow, that's amazing. And just a reminder that you did say that you are credentialed in every state. Every single state. So uh, because of our concert industry background, we've put a lot of uh, technology in place so that we can work with people regardless of where they are geographically. Because when you are concert touring, you're in a different state every single day, and we do taxes for many, many people who travel extensively. So is that the primary area of your clients is in the music industry or do you have a wide wide range? We have a pretty wide range. I would say probably 40% of our clients are in the music industry in some way or another, whether it be on stage or behind the scenes. Uh, but we also work a lot with retail businesses or startups, um, any, any sort of industry really uh, that wants a different kind of relationship with their accountant is welcome. See, so that's so special. And I want to ask you a couple of key questions that I think that you have insight on for people that are listening, which is, 
you know, around how important understanding your, you know, your finances. And I'm just going to make that the whole broad sector of your finances. Sure. How important it is to understanding that in order to grow. Um, so can you touch upon some of what that's like for new organizations as they're in their stages of developing, you know, I want to say like SOPs, um, standard operating procedures to get from solopreneur, you know, or a small team to grow? Like how, how critical is that? Uh, sometimes the comparison that I make is if you decided that you were going to take a cross country road trip, would you just decide and start driving or would you look at a map and consult and make a plan? So a lot of times owners are really visionary and they know where they want to be in five years, but they're not making decisions based on the real life finances of their business to help them get from point A to point B. So if you have flawed logic in your assumptions about your finances, then you're never actually going to arrive at the goal that you want to be at. And it might be that your pricing is flawed, or it might be that you believe you can't afford to hire somebody yet, but you actually can and should. Or it might be that you think you don't need to file sales tax, but you actually do. And then once they catch up with you, the amount that you owe in back penalties and interest is more than your business can bear. So having a really strong perspective on both the reality of your finances now and also what you want it to be in the future to align with your goals is super, super important so that you can make sure that you're running as fast as you can in the right trajectory and not the wrong direction. Yeah. And it's something, I mean, talking about sales tax, I mean, you and I've talked about this and I haven't, I'm, I'm, I'm actually in that position. Now. I'll use myself as an example, running a subscription box service. I didn't know that I needed a sales tax license in every state that's actually receiving the box. Right. Um, these are, these are really important questions to ask. And I, I think that maybe where I see some of the gap happens too with new business owners. And I've, I've heard other women talk about this, especially those that get stuck as solopreneurs mm -hmm. is that they are afraid that there's going to be a massively different take home portion of their income if they expand to more of a, a company as opposed to a solopreneur. So I see this question like, well, if I manage all my finances and all of my planning as a company, you know, how am I going to like pay myself? Well, you pay yourself just like you're paying yourself now. It's still possible. Yeah. <laughs> but but there is, there is a mindset shift about that. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Uh, I believe that I should work with my clients or my team should work with our clients proactively to make sure that we're um, understanding those goals and also making recommendations that are in alignment with them. Because it may be that there's a logical fallacy being employed that, uh, yeah, if I, if I change this, then my take home will be different. But if it saves you tens of thousands of dollars in taxes, then it's actually worth it. So a lot of times what we find is that people are making assumptions that makes them penny rich but dollar poor because they don't know what they don't know. And when it comes to accounting and tax law, a lot of times you don't even know how to begin researching it. Whereas as long as we know what you're trying to do, we can definitely make recommendations that help you get there. And if that is to pay yourself three times as much, but it turns out we need to put some employees in place to help you scale, then that's important to know as well. Yeah, that's really important. And I think that that's, I think there's this, there's a big information gap around this area. So how often do you find this? How often do you find people come into you and just say, I just want you to file my tax return. And I don't know, I don't want to talk about anything else. Or, or they have questions that they're just afraid to ask. Um, initially, I find it's pretty common with new clients that it seems like there's the questions that they wrote down that they knew they were willing to ask. And then they're 
a lot of times I can tell just from the look on their face towards the end of the meeting that there's <laughs> one or two left that they weren't sure they should ask or oh I'm gosh. not sure if this is an this accounting is question yes. or a law question. Yes. Um, so uh, it's pretty common. And then the mm. other thing is that a lot of times people don't realize that we are a full service firm that can do everything from the bookkeeping and sales tax and payroll to the tax planning and tax return. Um, we do our best work if we have a hand in all of that process, because like for tax planning, if we don't have useful books and financials, then we can make a plan. But if it's a plan based on bad information, then it's not a good plan either. So a lot of times we end up just starting with a tax engagement. And then the more a business grows and our relationship grows, the more services we end up. And uh, we end up as like partners for a lot of our clients, not literal legal partners, but a strong resource for when they're making decisions about how to run their company because of our approach. So that is a real benefit to a lot of, a lot of businesses. And so do you find that you primarily work with companies that are planning to scale or smaller organizations or are, do you have the wide gamut? Um, I find that we definitely resonate most with people who are kind of like me that, uh, are perhaps more ambitious than they could ever actually put into words. Usually it's somebody that's building an empire in one way or another, or has big, big hopes and dreams that they don't necessarily know what that looks like today, but they want us to be along for the ride long-term because uh, they don't know how to mitigate the tax burden should they build a huge company and then sell it. But if we're participating in that process along the way, then I can help them with that or my team. This is why we get along so well. <laughs> yeah. um, and I'm really excited that you are um, going to be doing some work with Taverly's Tribe. So many people listening to this show have heard me talk a lot about the fact that I want to bring together all of the women leaders in their fields um, under an umbrella that people can go to, to to find really good information. And, you know, you know, Kaylee, that happened because so many people have asked me for referrals from listening to the show, whether it's to the women they hear me talk about or a topic they've heard me talk about. And one thing it's really important to me that I bring women like you to other women, because you know what? It's super special for me to know that you are able to provide it in a way that has value. So, and I don't just mean financial value because there's two values, right? Right now it's like, ah, I'm laughing at myself at <laughs> my double jokes here. I mean, values as a human, values as a woman, not just values in your chart of accounts. Yeah, I'm honored to be a part of it. Yeah, I'm super excited. I know there's going to be lots of people that are going to really start to question what they may and may not know hearing this show and then meeting her, they're going to be like, oh man, she's going to solve all my problems. <laughs> You're going to start getting messages in the night saying, Kaylee, Taverly said that you can do. <laughs> um, but I, I'm really glad that you're here. And I, I want to talk about what some advice, what advice do you have for women that are entrepreneurs that are, that want to grow and build that empire? Where do you give them some starting point, points? Oh, wow. Um, you know, for me, the first step is writing down my five-year vision and checking in with it every once in a while to see, have I accomplished some of the things that I thought were further out or do I need to make adjustments to where I think I want to be headed? Um, and also giving myself permission to revise those goals as they adapt and change. So uh, I used to say that I wanted to have a hundred 
employees in my accounting firm in five years. Um, I have realized that that is not true, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that the size of the business is, it doesn't make it a bad goal per se. It just needs revising that, no, I want to have X number of quality employees. So um, write down your vision and your goal for your empire. Don't sell yourself short. Don't say any dream is too big. And then see if there's ways that you can make short-term goals that are in the right alignment with those big empire building goals mm. to help you get there. And what if somebody doesn't know how to get there? What do you suggest they do? I mean, overall, just even business and strategy. Um, it's really, really great to admit what you don't know and mm. find resources of people who do. Uh, one of the things that's really surprised me about the community of entrepreneurs for women is that we just want to help each other in whatever way we can and so if you say to your network, hey, I've realized that I don't know very much about this. Who has a referral for me of someone who does? Like, we are a community of givers, and you are so well-suited to admit what is not in your wheelhouse. And, and so whether that be strategy or marketing or even just coming up with a business plan that involves one, three, and five-year goals, um, if, if it's not you to do it, then find someone who can help you. And then ask yourself how you can help them or help someone else in the business community with whatever uh, strengths you bring to the table. Because we all have different stuff that we can help each other with. Mm, that's such a really good point. There's a woman I had on my show, um, and she is an expert at our the language that we use to describe ourselves and how we communicate to others. And she educated me on this topic of, weak language, right? Like how women, we often use weak or passive language that doesn't communicate necessarily what we think, but as women, we tamper ourselves down sure. in that language. And she was an example to me of exactly what you're saying is that people come to her and um, ask that question, like, you know, how, how, how can I achieve this? And if it's not, it's not something about language or something about communication, she has this other Know, division of resources that she can pass along and it's it's usually very transformational to ask a woman to to help you people w don't often mind helping no it's just yeah. that they don't necessarily know that we need help if we don't tell them or we feel weak if we ask yeah and there's no there's no weakness in saying i'm not the right person to do this best so yeah why do we struggle with that do you think Oh, well, for me, it's being a perfectionist and wanting to do everything myself. So uh, delegating is the challenge for me. But it turns out I don't actually want to be in charge of everything. I just think I do. <laughs> That's really quite funny. And again, kudos to you, because knowing that now you delegate pretty well. Oh, thanks. Is it a challenge? It is. It is. <laughs> it was harder at first. Yeah. But um, the first time I got to take a vacation with my husband and my daughter, and literally not look at my emails the entire time that we were out of town and know that everything was fine. And Your then business I, was still running. My business was still running. We were generating revenue and I came home and nothing was on fire. Everything was great. I, I was, I was sold on delegating from then on because I love to work, but I don't live to work. And if anybody follows you on social media, they know that. You have a good balance on your social media. Oh, thanks. That. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. I think it. I think it shows that that is your goal is isn't isn't necessarily to just do one thing because you're 
you're on the journey to to seek happiness and joy like many of us are, but we don't allow ourselves the time to do that. So there's actually that's a big nugget of wisdom right there is that delegating allows you the ability to unplug sometimes. I mean, you said seven weeks of vacation this year. I have to tell you that I may have swooned a little. <laughs> well, we'll see how much I'm uh, actually going to take, but that's that's what's on the calendar so far. Yeah, that's really good. I appreciate that so much. Um, okay, so we already told people where they can find you on on your website, which is csaaccounting.com. How about social media? What do you have for social media? Can people follow you? Would you like to give your personal handles uh, or your professional ones as you prefer? Sure. So the one that I would love for you guys to check out, I run a closed Facebook group that's a women in business support group. I post a lot of inspirational memes and it's also available if anybody uh, has questions that they want to throw out to the group. It's a good resource. So um, I think we're going to need to put that in the show notes yeah. as to where to find I, that because I don't know off the top yeah, of I'm my head. Yeah, I'm writing that down. Okay. I'll put that. Well, you can send that to me. We'll put that in the show notes, but that'll be important. That'll and then important. Um, if you want to see the snarkier side of me, you can find my <laughs> personal Twitter. Wait, I prefer sassy. On on Twitter, I would say it's full on snarky. <laughs> really? Okay, so I have, I clearly am not following you on Twitter. Oh, okay. I am going to check it out. Uh, that is at Mrs. Canavan. Okay, and you got something to say on Twitter? What are you snarky about? What do you talk about on Twitter? Um, movies and video games mostly. Okay, not con- not music. No. Oh my goodness. <laughs> no, my husband and I joke a lot about how after you've worked in the music industry for a long time, because he was in for twice as long as I was, uh, okay. you kind of burn out on it. It's sort of sad to say, but really? I, I'm not as in touch with new music as I used to be. So I still go mm. to shows a lot, but um, I don't have a lot to say publicly about, gotcha. okay. about however, I- video games and movies... They're, they're, I'll talk smack all day long. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna follow you on Twitter because I love to hear what people say. Do you listen to any podcasts about movies? Because I've heard that there are some fabulous podcasts that review mu- movies. Like, what were the two reviewers that used to the two men that used to do uh, all of Sadler the- and Waldorf on the Muppets? Is that what you're talking no. about? No, <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you just referenced the Muppets. That's hilarious. Muppets. No, there were um, Siskel and Ebert. Siskel and Ebert. That's it. Yeah. Um, but there's tons of podcasts that review movies like that. I and I, I, you know what? I consume enough content. I don't need to add any to my list. So I'm asking you if you listen. You know, to any. I mostly do true crime podcasts and also um, business podcasts for women. Oh, mostly. interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well, maybe we'll find some good movie podcasts. Yeah, and we can do some reviews of them, and then I'll send them to you, and you can post Perfect. it on Twitter. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Well, hey, thank you so much for joining me, for answering questions, and for just making yourself available for business owners and entrepreneurs that need help because you are filling a really vital role for any business. And I know that there's lots of areas for my improvement, and I think that that's part of what I do on this show is share the ways that I'm learning and growing, and you are a part of that. So thank you so much. That's so awesome. Thank you for having me. All right. Okay, my friends, thank you for listening, and we will be back soon. We hope you enjoyed the show. Hi, my name is Les Conley, and as producer of this show, I enjoy listening right along with you. Don't forget to download the Himalaya app and follow Grit and Grace so that we can keep you up to date on all the exciting shows coming your way. Please check the show notes for links to our guests and feel free to contact us for more information. 
Taver Lee is a social impact entrepreneur, and she can be found at TaverLee.com. That's T-A-H-V-E-R-L-E-E.com. We know your time is extremely valuable, and we appreciate you spending it with us. Thank you.